You're the one, you're the only one. Be seated, be seated. Good morning, good morning, good morning. We're glad you're here this morning. We're glad that you chose to be with us on this Lord's Day to, to join us in worship. Um, we are always excited that, that we are here. Um, I hope that you have seen this morning as you've watched people moving in and out of classes and into the auditorium. This is a, this is a body that loves each other. And, and uh, we're always happy to see each other. We're happy to catch up with one another. And if you're visiting with us, we want you to be a part of that. And uh, one of the easiest ways to do that is to join us for a meal. Um, Our share groups are starting back this week, and so one of our share groups, their service project is to offer a lunch for visitors, new members, and college students. And so if you fit into one of those categories, uh, just come on in there, and and hey, even if you don't fit in one of those categories, they're not going to kick you out. So, so come on in, have a bite, get to know some folks, and uh, and connect. If uh, if you haven't signed up for a share group, hey, it's not too late. Those are starting, but but that doesn't mean that you have to be left out. We can still get you plugged in, still get you part of a share group. So think about that. Talk about that as a family, and uh, take the opportunity. To get connected. I want to throw some numbers at you this morning. Now, I know a lot of you, when I say numbers, you, you start to glaze over and, and, and think about lunch, but stay with me just for a minute, because I, I do think these numbers are, are important. There are studies, and, and these, we know that these are, are comprehensive studies. Lots of corporations and businesses have thrown tons of money at, at these studies, but these studies show that we are bombarded with anywhere from 4,000 to 10,000 advertisements per day. Per day. Now that's a lot. That's a ton. And I'll have people say, well, you know, that doesn't apply to me because I, I don't watch that much TV. No, it absolutely applies to you because you can't get away from it. You can't not be a part of that. That includes the the advertisements that you see on the highway, the advertisements that you see in the workplace, the advertisements that you see people wearing, the, the, the advertisements that are all around you all the time. We are bombarded with these things. And that doesn't even talk about social media or or. That kind of stuff. Print ads, billboards. Uh, advertisers know that there's no way you can ingest four to 10,000 advertisements in a day. That's not the point. The point is to flood you with so many that a few get through your screen. Just a few. See, they don't need to make you totally focused on them. They just need to make you absorb them. Now, we get that, that there's, there's an inter- interesting passage that I, I want us to look at in, in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew 6. Um, Caden read a bit of that this morning. Matthew 6, we're going to start in verse 19. And, and I, I want us to look at, at this passage together, and, and we'll come back and talk about the, the flooding and the bombardment a little bit more. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 24. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This morning, we're going to start a new series. We're stepping into a a new series that I'm calling In God We Trust. And in that series, we're going to talk about money. Now, traditional preacher wisdom is that there's three things you're not supposed to preach about. Sex, politics, and money. And since I've already hit sex twice this year, and next year's an election cycle, I figured why not go for the hat trick. Um, seriously, though, we're, we're taking our cue from Jesus. Do you know Jesus talked more about money than he did about heaven and hell? Isn't that interesting? That was fascinating to me, and I think one of the reasons he did that is because he knows us. And he knows what we need to hear. And we, in this passage, we see him beginning to address money, to address our treasures, because he knows where our treasure is, that's where our heart is. But then he does something weird. In the middle of that passage, he stops talking about treasures, starts, stops talking about money, and starts talking about eyes. Do you see that? All of a sudden, he's talking about eyes. And you're like, okay, Jesus, are you the ADD rabbi? Are you like, God says, wait a minute, there's a squirrel. No. There's a point. There is a point. He stops talking about money and starts talking about eyes, but he's not really talking. He's not really stopping. See, Jesus understands us. See, we are omnivores. That means we eat anything. We are predators. And and, and we are predators because we our eyes are in the front of us, right? You notice in predators, the eyes are always in the front because that's they're focused on what they're pursuing, what they're after. Pray, the eyes are generally on the side because they've got to be on the lookout for a lot more stuff. You with me? You didn't know there's going to be science this morning. I'm sorry. Um, but but the, the, a little bit, the, the, the predator's eyes are in front because they're focused on what they're pursuing. See, Jesus understands that our eyes are focused on what we're pursuing. Whatever we focus on, determines a lot about the way we interact with the world. That's what all those advertisements are about. They're, they're not about getting you to focus on them particularly as much as they are with flooding you so much that a few of them get through and they can pull you away for a minute. I heard a preacher say in a sermon not long ago, Satan doesn't get to, need to get you to focus on him for him to win. He merely needs to get you to not focus on Jesus. Does that make sense? And, 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 and it's the same thing here. The, the, the idea that where your eyes are. See, our, our experience affirms that statement, and, and so does Jesus. Jesus talks about our eyes and money at the same time because money is a good indicator of our focus. How we spend our money, how we manage our money, what we do with our money is a good barometer of where our hearts are. That's why God has always addressed finances and prosperity in regards to worship. Our prosperity, our financial prosperity is always connected with our worship because worship is about focusing on God. Somewhere around the 20th century, there was a shift in thinking in churches and and worship became specifically about music. Somewhere in there, worship started being only what happened in one hour, one day a week. 
And it was only about what songs we sang, how we sang them. And, and churches have split and argued and fought for years about this music because that's our worship. Even today, when, when people are talking about worship, they're almost always exclusively talking about music. But that's not always the way it's been. Go back to Genesis 4. In Genesis 4, we have our first recorded act of worship. And the form it takes is instructive to our topic today. Genesis 4, verses 1 through 5. Now, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. What's useful to note here is that the bringing of offerings to God, the bringing of that, of that offering is as old as humanity itself. And it's the first recorded act of worship. The, the first recorded act of worship in the Bible is sacrifice. It's bringing an offering to God. And offering up to Him what He has provided for us. It, it doesn't stop there though. Stay with me because as the Bible unfolds, this pattern is not only, it's not only commanded by God Himself, it, 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 is, it is set up by God in, in instituting worship among his people. As an example, look at Abraham in Genesis 14. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, blessed be Abram by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Abram gives that offering because it's an act of worship. It's an act of thanksgiving to God for the deliverance that he had just received. Now, later, when God starts moving the people out of Egypt, God gives specific instructions to Israel. Exodus chapter 23, he's, he's going to say in verse 14 through 19, Three times in the year shall you keep a feast to me. You shall keep the feast of unleavened bread as I commanded you. You shall eat unleavened bread for seven days at the appointed time in the month of Abib, for in it you came out of Egypt. None shall appear before me empty-handed. You shall keep the feast of harvest of the first fruits of your labor of what you sow in the field. You shall keep the feast of ingathering at the end of the year when you gather in from the field the fruit of your labor. Three times in the year shall all your males appear before the Lord your God. You shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with anything leavened or let the fat of my feast remain until the morning. The best of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. In Exodus 25, when they're building the tabernacle in the wilderness... Exodus 25, verse 1 and 2, the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the people of Israel that they take for me a contribution. From every man whose heart moves him, you shall receive the contribution for me. Now, we could keep going. We could keep going through the Old Testament all to show how it is that, that offerings, that sacrifice, that giving is absolutely central to the life and especially to the worship of the people of God. Sadly, and, and in some ways, justifiably, that there's been so much abuse of, of money mongers and opportunists in our day that the topic of giving becomes a sore spot with us as Christians. That's one of the reasons that the preacher wisdom is that you're not supposed to talk about it. 
because you don't want to appear like some of these who exist merely for the purpose of bringing in money. But because there are those who, who criminally extract money from people under the guise of religion is not an argument to ignore the God-instituted aspect of the giving of our means in worship. That, that giving is a God-instituted central part of true and biblical worship. That's important. Now, almost as soon as, as any church or, or church leader or, or, or a preacher addresses the topic of giving, you can almost be certain that someone's going to raise an objection and, and, and based on the abuses of these others. And, and, and I understand that. But we would be remiss as leaders in this congregation if because of a love for the people of this congregation we didn't make a point of saying how important it is. This is worship of God. We are a people in churches of Christ who have defined ourselves by our worship. We have defined ourselves by being biblical in our worship. And one of the central parts of worship that God has instituted from the beginning of humanity is bringing our offering to Him. Now why? Well, there's a lot of reasons. One, it's an act of recognition. It's, it's, it's recognizing that God is Lord. It's recognizing that God is sovereign. It's recognizing that, that God is in control of everything. The root of the word worship, is, it comes from an old English that's worth-ship. That, that, that it's the action of human beings in expressing the worth of their God. And that's what our giving is. We are showing God that He is worth something to us. And God uses the currency of the culture. In that culture, it was agriculture. It was livestock. And so that's what God asked for. Our culture is not based on livestock. Our culture is based on financial means. And so that's what God is requiring. He's not telling you to give to Jeff. He's not telling you to give to the church. He's not telling you to give to, to any denomination. God is saying he needs, to, he needs us to demonstrate His worth in our own soul by giving Him back what He's already blessed us with. God doesn't actually gain anything by my giving. I do. We enter into something greater in our giving than ourselves. The second is it's an act of thanksgiving. That, that it reflects God's goodness. It reflects His provision for us. Psalm 56 verse 12, I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you. For you have delivered my soul from death. Yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of light. That's what's happening with that scripture we read of Abram and Melchizedek. That, that after he'd been given the ability to defeat the five kings and recover those who had been kidnapped, Abram wanted to celebrate. Abram wanted to give thanks to God by making an offering to him. That's what it was all about. Once again, this is a pattern repeated through the Bible, and we could go through this over and over and over. Now hear me, it's not repayment. God's not saying, I gave you this, so now you owe me. It's not an invoice. It, it is our celebration of what God has freely given to us. It's also an act of imitation. God so loved that He gave His only begotten Son 
the Holy Spirit marks out how God is the great giver. God has given us life. Every blessing, every good gift that we have is from God. God has given us every single thing that we have, and we imitate God. We follow in His footsteps by giving. When Paul was addressing the Ephesian leadership in Acts 20, he reminds them of this. Acts 20, verse 35. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how He Himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And this is true in the local church. We're going to start over the next few weeks telling you stories. Because I I think when we get into money and we start talking about numbers, if you're like me, I'm gone. You you lost me. You know, Joe lives in that world. But but me, I'm, I'm gone. Forget it. That's pretty much uh, uh, how, how you know how to manage your money. If you see Jeff doing it, do the opposite. But that's, that's when, when we give our money, when we're, when we're, when we're bringing our money, we're, we're putting it in a place where we can make a difference in the world. One of the stories I like to tell is from last Christmas. And, and you've heard me, if you've been around, tell this story before, but we, uh, we accepted donations, and, and this church is amazing whenever you ask for anything. They, they give uh, uh, tremendously. We asked for donations to minister to children who were in foster care, who, who, to, to help these children have a better Christmas. And um, if, you, if you haven't been around the, this story, the... the that day that we were supposed to bring those gifts to the, the foster parents, um, I got a call from her, and, and we were talking about one particular gift, and I needed to know what color to get or whatnot. And, and as we're doing this, she said, well, I'm scrambling around because I have, I have a new placement that's coming today. And I don't know anything about her. And I said, well, what does she need? She said, I don't know. You're not responsible for that. That wasn't something we gave to your church. Now, God had blessed us so that we had an excess. We had more money than we knew what to do with. And that morning, Amy and I had been talking about, what do we do with all this extra? Because we don't know what to do with it. So I said, don't worry, that kid's going to have a Christmas. That kid was a 15-year-old girl who had been arrested for prostitution in Mexico City. She had been extradited to the United States. Nobody knows how long she had been there. Her family here had sold her into slavery. She had been extradited back to the United States, and for Christmas she was going into a home with people she had never met before in a land that she hadn't been to since she was old enough to remember. And she was going to sit there and watch all these other kids open presents. This church gave that girl a Christmas. And that mom later told me when she asked me, why would somebody do this? I taught her about Jesus. That's why we put money in the plate. that's why we give to the local church, because alone we can only do so much. Together, y'all, we can change the world. It's also an act of participation. Providing for the declaration of His Word, providing for the public worship of His name. It's, it's, It's how we help others. But finally, it's an act of sanctification. 
In contributing our materialism and greed, in, in taking away from our materialism and greed, we remember Paul's words to Timothy where he says in 1 Timothy 6, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It's through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. In our materialistic society, one of the ways that we, we break down our hard hearts, our calloused hearts, is by giving. It's an act of devotion, which brings us back to the words of Jesus. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What's true is this. If I will not give freely of my money to the Lord and His cause on this earth, then I probably haven't given Him much of my heart as well. So the point is, where's our focus? One of the great barometers of your focus is how you spend your money. When I graduated from, from seminary, from college, they, they told us one of the secrets was, whenever you interviewed, ask for a copy of the budget. I did that here when I interviewed. Ask for a copy of the budget. Why? Because you can tell a lot about a people by how they spend their money. And so I think the question this morning as we start looking at our money is where is our focus? But even more so, it's where is my heart? See, I want us to take a hard look at this. If you're like me, my generation on down, we were raised giving in the plate, giving our contribution, whatever daddy gave us that morning. Let's be honest. We sat in the pew and dad slipped me a dollar or a couple of quarters or whatever it was, and that's what I put in the plate. And unfortunately, as I grew up, I continued in that same practice. And I gave of my excess instead of, of my first fruits. Now, I'm not like... Uh, Paula, whatever her name is, uh, Donald Trump's pastor who wants you to give your first month's paycheck of the year to the church. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the condition of our heart. And, and the condition of our heart is, am I putting God first? And God says the way we put Him first, one of the ways we put Him first is by putting Him first financially. So over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about this. Just four weeks. We're not going to beat it to death. So don't, don't, don't say, oh. But we need to talk about where is our focus? Where is our heart? And we're going to go through this a little bit deep, more deeply over the weeks. And on September 15th, we're going to, as a church, make a promise to God. Make a promise to God about being intentional in the way that we worship. Remember, as a people, we have defined ourselves by worship. And we've defined ourselves by being different in the way we worship. As a people, we are going to worship God with our finances. And we're going to do it purposefully. And we're going to refocus our hearts. And we're going to mark that by coming together as a body, as a community. And publicly proclaiming Jesus Christ as our focus. So where's your heart? If you need to change your focus this morning, hey, that's what we're here for. Let us join with you in prayer. Let us come along beside you and lift you up. That's why we exist. We have no power of our own. We have no holiness of our own. 
We have nothing to offer except we know how to access the one who is holy. Let us pray with you. Let us come alongside of you. Maybe you need to publicly proclaim your focus for the first time. And, and that's not asking Jesus into your heart. That's submitting to him in baptism. That's repenting and turning from the way we have lived before and focusing wholly our lives on Jesus Christ and living for Him in a purposeful, direct way. And the way we proclaim that to the world is that we submit to Him and we're buried in water. We're buried in baptism. We're raised to a new life. And God says the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, comes to dwell within you and give power to your body. If that's how you need to proclaim your focus this morning, respond to this song. Let us help you. However we can, won't you come right now while together we stand and sing. All to Jesus I